In today's episode, we will be discussing how the government and religion have shaped how we view marriage and having children, as well as how we have allowed them to shape how we choose to live. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Who Said You Have To, where we discuss how society dictates to us who we must be and how we must live our lives. In this podcast, we will also help you find ways to choose the life you want to live with no fear or judgment. My name is Tina Mason, and I am an emotional trauma intuitive and an expert in human communication, as well as how the human mind creates disease in the body. I am also co-owner and co-founder of Free Will Healing, where we strive to create a space for every human to heal emotionally, spiritually, and physically with no fear and no judgment. My name is Laura Schmidt, and I have been a nurse for 17 years. I am also a registered yoga teacher with 500 hours of training. My focus is teaching gentle yoga movements to help those who deal with chronic pain. My true passion, though, is aligning the chakras to create balance and harmony within. I am also co-owner and co-founder of Free Will Healing. So, Laura, what are we going to talk about today? Hello. We are going to talk about societal expectations on marriage and having children. (laughs) (laughs) It's been an interesting one to do some research on this. It really has. It has been very interesting. So Laura and I went back to the first recorded marriage of way back of Adam and Eve. I had one question. Laura had like a thousand, but I had (laughs) one question. Who officiated? I don't know. Who who was there? Did they have to get a license? (laughs) Well, there was a crazy bachelor and bridal shower with like oh, some party. beavers and some squirrels i mean it was it was <laughs> and the, insane and the sneaky snake there was a sneaky snake <laughs> and that was before satan got there yeah it looks like to me from everything that i read that there was no actual like ceremony or anything it was kind of like god said okay look you two are cool and they said yeah we like each other and yeah, i was gonna say they didn't even get to have anybody to choose nope <laughs> Nope, that was slim picking. Hey, you're the only one here. Want to get married? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> Laura brought up a good point, like rings. Yeah. Did they wear rings to solidify this ceremony? Well, I think it was the fig the leaf. circle of trust, Falker. <laughs> well, I think <laughs> that they like had matching fig leaves. Oh, yes. to cover their ninnies. There you go. Their naughties. Their naughty bits. <laughs> Twigs and berries, baby. <laughs> As uh, Laura and I were looking into this, and we realize as we were researching marriage and children that up until the 1900s marriage and children were pretty much just used as pawns and bargaining chips to take over countries or to get someone's dowry yes they were all politically driven or you know the parents saying you're marrying that family over there so we can merge our lands together and have bigger property but yeah their their mill with our cornfields or wheat or whatever kind of things that you mill because i have no idea (laughs) we will make a farming and milling yes community community so and and literally until the 1900s early 1900s was the first time it was actually like recognized that you could actually just marry someone because you fell in love with them. Oh, love, love. <laughs> no, I'm not going to start singing. How long, Laura, did it take for the government to decide uh, that they wanted to get their piece of the yeah, pie? Yeah, not long. The government was like, hey, come, more marriage. That was 1913. And with the, uh, I believe it was the Revenue Act. Yep, the Revenue Act of 1913. So for 13 years. The government said, okay, well, nobody's making money on this. Yeah. They're they're all marrying for love. So the 1900s is finally, you know, people were able to choose who they loved instead of 
who their parents felt would make a good business deal with. And then 1913, the government rolls in and says, no, we, we need to get involved here. Then the government um, wasn't involved enough. So in 1929, yeah, they wanted to become our parents and tell us who we could or not marry with a little piece of paper that we had to pay for. Yes. With a blood test. <laughs> Probably make sure you're not related. There you I go. I guess. Well, or maybe just so that they have another reason to say no. Right? I would like to hear if anybody out here, any of our uh, listeners, had an experience where you went to get a marriage license and they said, nope, y'all can't get married. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be curious to know why. I'm just, well, in this day and age, I would be too because there's not really any, yeah, like all of those laws have been repealed. <laughs> so in 1920, the average age of getting married was for men, it was 24, and for women, it was 21. But Laura, would you like to tell these oh, intelligent, rational humans what the legal age was? Wow. For, for boys, because they are boys, it was 14. And for little, little women, 12. And that's just without parent consent. Yeah. With parent consent, they could get married much younger. Insane. I want everyone to just like, just think about this. Everybody has a child or a niece or a nephew or a brother or a sister or a cousin that is 14 or 12. I want you to imagine that 14 and 12-year-old child getting married and having to support a family and support themselves, getting a house <laughs> and making enough money and then they're having sex, and, you know, there was no contraception at that time. No. So, oh, my goodness. And I know some people might argue and say, well, children were more uh, responsible. responsible back then, and, and still, their brains I don't are care how responsible developed. they are. You've been on this earth for 12 years. What have you learned that makes you able to raise another yeah, child? Just the fact that you can procreate. Does it mean you're ready? Yeah. <laughs> and I just think about my girls at 12, and I mean, they were still playing with Barbies. Mm -hmm. And that's just crazy to me. So then we're going to roll into the 1930s, the Great Depression. Mm -hmm. What percentage of people were married at that time, Laura, and why? Why so, that percentage? Yeah, 22%, and they didn't have money to get married. That was, that was the whole deal. So many people were unemployed. I'm assuming they were scared. You know, I'm going to get married. I'm not going to be able to provide for my family, for my children. So I would have really hated being a parent during the Great Depression. Oh, gosh. Because 78% of your children just stayed with you. Because it's not like they went out and, like, lived on their own but no. just didn't get married. They just stayed with they their parents and said, no and said, hey, I'm playing video games right now. <laughs> could you, uh, uh, while you're at the store, could you get me some ramen? Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I can't imagine 78% of people's children were not leaving home. And they couldn't find jobs because if they could find jobs, they would leave home and get married, that 22%. Yeah. That, that's funny that you say that, though. Having lived in a foreign country, it is custom for the children to stay with the parents till they get married. Now, mind you, this was the Great Depression and they weren't getting married because of, of money, which is, I, I guess, pretty much the same, though. A lot of people don't go off and live on their own until they are married and they have that either double income. Just It's just the custom. And I, and I understand that, but they're probably not in their 30s and 40s. 
Some living with their mom. But I, I was like this rarity and people were sort of shocked because I, as soon as I had a job, I went and lived on my own. <laughs> and when I went to rent an apartment, oh boy. Well, that's, be- that's because uh, you were headstrong and didn't want to follow Lele's rules. Not Lele, just the country that I lived in, their rules. You know, <laughs> it was like, Mm-mm. I come from this place where when you're old enough, you can go live on your own. But that's skewing off topic here, just the fact of children staying with their parents. Some countries yeah. still do that. Yeah. In 1933, so three years into the, when did the Great Depression start? The 30s, 30s. Right? Yeah. Women were finally allowed to be a human being independent of their husband. Like they were, but only married women. Married women were allowed to actually be counted as a citizen independent of their husband instead of uh, Lance and Laura being counted as one person mm-hmm. they would now count Lance as one person and Laura as almost a whole and then came the 40s oh the, uh, the 1940s 40s. World War II Laura how did World War II change the dynamics of families and because 1940s is when the quote traditional family, family. was created mm-hmm. and how did that happen? Well, it's it's said that, you know, the most of the families, they were either farmers or small business owners back then, and wives didn't accompany the man out to the farm to do that <laughs> hard labor. And, you know, women weren't allowed at the business. So that's where the traditional, I believe, the breadwinner came from, where the man provided. Got you. And the, and the woman stayed home stayed and home. and took care of the... Wore their pearls and their heels while they cleaned house. <laughs> <laughs> Jim Cleaver style. Laura and I, uh, Laura sent me this video the other day, and it was an <gasps> old Hanes commercial, oh, Hanes pantyhose. I was just absolutely disgusted and appalled. Yeah, and I used to watch that as a kid thinking, ooh, I want some, I want some Hanes silky, make me shapely and silky. We will actually uh, put a link to that commercial in the show notes so that you can go and watch it and cringe like we did. <laughs> and, <laughs> oh, that was a uh, that that was just a bit much. Men love Hanes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, high heels were created by a man, weren't they? Cuz it made a woman's legs look more shapely. Mm-hmm. Yes. If anybody happens to know his name or address, <laughs> so the Lord I could hunt him down. Yes. <laughs> we would stab appreciate. a heel in his eye. <laughs> in the 40s, that's when the quote, traditional family was created, not by God. No, and it was a a lot of it was the urgency to get married before the men went off to war. Got you. Yeah. And, you know, the other interesting thing to me is that during World War II, so many women worked and because all of the men were gone and the women were making bullets. and Rosie the Riveter. Yep. There you go. Mm -hmm. And it was the women who kept this whole thing going. Yeah. I wonder, honestly, when... Just because I happen to be the wife of, (laughs) you know, a a 20-year retired Army veteran who was in war zones several times. I almost wonder if I know a lot of when people come back from war and PTSD and a lot of those issues, a lot of times, whether it is male or female, because nowadays they have both. Mm -hmm. Back then it was just the men, which is why I'm kind of referring to that. But I know. Well, they had female, like, nurses and that went off to war. Yes, but those women weren't allowed to have PTSD. Oh, okay. The women were, uh, well, you know, they were expected to be emotional. Mm-hmm. True. You so know? they could come what back did, what, did, what did they call it? Um, hysteria back then? <laughs> She's hysterical. 
She's hysterical. Mm-hmm. Do you, um, hysterectomy. Do you, that's where it came <laughs> from. Do you know what the treatment for a hysterical woman was back then? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I touch myself. <laughs> well, actually, the doctor would do it yes. for you. Yes. Uh, if you want to know more about that, you'll have to look that up. <laughs> We're not going to discuss it. But it was disgusting. It yeah. is absolutely disgusting. So back on societal uh, marriage expectation. <laughs> anyway, so what I, my the point I was trying to make is that I know for uh, my husband and a lot of soldiers that I've worked with, when they come back from war, they feel very lost and they feel very like that they have no path. They have no path forward so I almost wonder if number one the women not going to work with them was because they were assholes and angry you know I mean that's part of it's just part of the PTSD it's not their fault I think it was I I used to one of my favorite movies I think it was called Swing Shift with Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell I love that movie (gasps) love Swing Shift so you know she she went to work her and her friend and they were loving that working career and when the husband got back, it was expected that they went back to their yeah. wifely duties because yeah. the husband, I'm the breadwinner. I well, yeah, need to go to work and you need to say. stay it's home. It's almost like a self-worth thing mm-hmm. of like, you know. An embarrassment. How would society view? He doesn't make enough money and she exactly. has to work. Well, yeah. and this ties into what we talked about last, last week, mm-hmm. you know, of if a woman works and the man stays home, the man is chastised for not being able yes. to provide for his family. And all you know? this comes from? Judgment. Yeah, societal norms. So we had the 1930s where the marriage rate was 22% because of the Great Depression. Mm -hmm. Then the 1940s where a lot of people got married real quick before Before they went off to war. Their mates went off to war. So you had a huge surge in marriage. Then, you know, of course, when you have a huge surge in marriage, then that's the societal norm. Right. And people who weren't married, you know, they were the outcast and the when truly, honestly, the only reason people were married was because of the war. I mean, it was nothing more than that. I mean, I'm sure some of them actually loved each other. So that's what I'm saying. But then you get to like the 1950s and the 1960s. Did you know that an unmarried man during the 1950s and 60s? would repeatedly be overlooked for promotions at work and that kind of thing because um, he was unmarried. Yeah. I mean, if you ever watched Mad Men, they were all married because of that, because, you know, you got to take the wife to the to the meeting with the boss and, and show that you're a loving man. But none of them are really happy. What, <laughs> I'm not going to say none. I'm not going to include everybody. But the way it's pictured, portrayed is like that. They were just married to have that and what, capability. Kind of, and what kind of marriage would that be? You know what I mean? If you're just getting married for convenience, if you're just getting married, number one, so that, the, you know, the woman's getting married because she doesn't want to be a spinster. Mm-hmm. And the man's getting married because he wants to climb up the ladder. I mean, I'm sure that people find common ground eventually. Some do. But and now that we're talking about it, I see sort of this, what is it called? Repetitive Pattern. Pattern, like, you know, back in the day, you got married for economical and result, you know, those purposes, then it changed into let's get married for love. Then it went back into again to uh, choosing to be a part of society and we want these promotions or we want it's back into because the government because the government got involved. Mother. (laughs) (laughs) What would you say if I told you that 1965 birth control was developed? 
who do you think they would market birth control to? Logically. Logically. <laughs> logically, you'd think they'd market it to unmarried people so that they wouldn't have children. Right. <laughs> but did you know that up until 1965, it was actually illegal to use birth control if you were married? Yowza. So was, I guess you go to the pharmacy, they wouldn't even sell it to you if you didn't have a ring on. <laughs> <laughs> you just take your ring off yeah. real quick. Well, but you know, the doctor would know if you were married yeah, because, sure. you know, your husband has to approve anything. That so let me ask a man, can I not have children? No, ma'am, you're not married. <laughs> you can't You can't have this little pill. Well, but you're not supposed to have sex before marriage. Oh. So uh, technically, Forgive you me, Father, for wouldn't. <laughs> How, how long has it been? A week since <laughs> your last infection. <laughs> so, yeah, you didn't need birth control if you weren't married because yeah. you wouldn't want to be a whore. whore. And it, even some religions nowadays do not encourage the use of <laughs> prophylactics. Forgive her father for she has sinned. <laughs> it actually wasn't until 1967 before interracial marriages were actually legal. Legal? Holy matter. Yeah. You couldn't marry somebody who was a different ethnicity or a different race. And 1967 was the first time that states started changing that. Yeah, I think I read about one couple that got married and they went home in the state of Virginia, I believe. Mm -hmm. And they told them, "Uh, get out. Yep. Well, they got arrested. Yeah, they got arrested. And they pleaded guilty. The state actually kicked them out. They funny named it. It was like lovingly or something. I wonder if nowadays they could say, but I identify as white. (laughs) Or uh, (laughs) I identify as Middle Eastern. There you go. Problem solved. Well, and actually. I bet somebody would use that nowadays. I bet they would. Actually, in 2015, There was a statistic that you told me about that actually now one in every six marriage is interracial. So I think that's that's amazing. We're all human beings. We got two arms, two legs. Yeah, exactly. Most of us have a brain. So (laughs) (laughs) we're not scarecrows. We're not scarecrows. (laughs) There's a statistic in 2010. So if we remember back in in the 1920s, the average age to get married was for men 24, for women 21. In 2010, the average age was 28 for men and 26 for women. The legal age, of course, was 18. Thank the yes. Lord they moved it up from 12 and 14. <laughs> Here's an interesting thing. So just 10 years later in 2021, the average this year, average age is 33 for men and 31 for women. Wow. Being that... It's, it's proven that the brain does not fully develop until you're 25. So yeah. can you imagine these 16, 17-year-olds getting married? Or 12 They're going to change so much oh over goodness. the next few years. Who I wanted to be at Whew. 20 and who I wanted to be at 25. It's mm. totally different. Mm. And, and it's funny because we get judged for changing, but that's, that's what we're meant to do. We're not meant to be the same person we were yesterday. We're meant to grow. I saw uh, uh, Billie Eilish on Saturday Night Live the other day, and she's... Right now, she's 20, still a baby. baby. But if you'd known her from the past, she had the green hair and she dressed funny and she had these ideas. And she's like, and I'm still being judged as if I was a 14 year old. Should I have stayed a 14 year old in my mind for the rest of my life? She's like, I'm changing. Hannah Montana pops into my brain. Oh, gosh, poor girl. That poor kid. She was forced to, again, go back to podcast from last week of how we put these constraints on who you can be and who you can't be. 
you know, it was all about Yeah, when money. you were 12, you said you wanted to be a princess. Well, well and, and that's all, what you need to be. And it was all about money. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? You you want to play this part, therefore when you are not playing this part, when you are out in public, you still have to be Could you imagine like having to everywhere you go, you have to do yoga. You get out of the car at the grocery store, you got a yoga <laughs> all the way in. When you're in the grocery store, you got to yoga and meditate. And I do when I'm in line sometimes to not kill people. <laughs> I believe that. I actually believe true. that. Anyway, so it just is ridiculous to me. Yeah, for that, for that age of marriage to be like, this is the person I want to spend the rest of my life with yeah. when they're that young. Oh, my goodness. Can't you remember who you were absolutely head over heels in love with when you were 16? Ooh, and you look back and you're like, oh, what was I thinking? I just want to say, I'm not going to say any names. D- don't <laughs> <laughs> but the person i was head over heels in love with when i was 16 thank you father thank you <laughs> thank you thank you it reminds me of that song from garth brooks unanswered prayers yes thank, <laughs> thank god you for thank you prayers. for not answering that prayer because yeah. <laughs> god could look down and go oh girl no <laughs> i got something better in store for I you i know by the time you're 25 that's not what you're going to want. Yeah. I was 25 when Terry and I got married. Well, there you go. Yep. And everybody thought that we were old, you know, yeah, to be yeah. getting married at, you know, he was 24 yes, and I was 25. Your eggs are about to shrivel up yeah, and rot away. <laughs> Would it surprise you, Laura, if I told you that there are still four states in the United States right here, right now, that right. it is meow. right here, right now, that it is still illegal for you to live together unmarried. Shut the front door. Mississippi. Golly. Who, Michigan. Why does the government think they can tell me what I can do? Florida. <gasps> and the good old state of Virginia. Oh. No. Is that That is. Yeah. <laughs> In Virginia, it is actually a misdemeanor for any per- I'm going to just read this. Okay. Any persons not married to each other to lewdly and lasciviously lasciviously associate and cohabitate together. And it is punishable up to $500 fine for the first offense. And a second conviction could potentially land you up to a year in in jail and $2,500 fine if you live with and cohabitate and have sexual relations with somebody you are not married Dang. to. So if any of our listeners are from Virginia, can you give us a shout out and let us know, like, <laughs> like seriously? Yeah, like, is this still has nobody Has nobody stood up and, and argued this law? Yeah, and in Mississippi, it is actually unlawful cohabitation. That is described as a man and a woman living together, and it can be proven that they have had habitual sexual intercourse now who's giving up that info (laughs) (laughs) and how do you prove that i was gonna say um like like, i mean even if you go to a doctor that's a hipaa violation so i mean is the government like planting a camera in your bedroom to siri and alexa (gasps) they hear a moan they're like that's it that's it (laughs) call in the police (laughs) 911 you know when i read this i was like so it it, i've seen over here that says man and woman so if Two men live together. Does the law go after them? Because they're cohabitating. And a woman and a woman. Like, cause since 2015, it has been legal in all states to have same-sex marriage. So how do they know? Are they just living together? Or are they cohabitating? Or is it cohabiting? The law says man and woman. There you go. You know, when I was reading this, I thought, 
surely they don't like actually enforce this anymore. Yeah, you know what no I mean? Way. Like, like I get it. It's like on like in Texas, it's still on the books in Texas that every woman, oh boy, is allowed to kill one man and claim premenstrual syndrome. Did you know that? It is literally still on the books in the state of Texas. Hey, ladies. Well, the last time I checked, it's still on the books. Yeah. Yeah. That was a thing. And they just have never removed it. Wow. You know what I mean? I mean, they may have by now, but because there was that time that I threatened Terry and, you know. Hey, it's legal. You know, as early as. I already hit menopause, so I can't use that. I know, me too. Instant menopause when I had a hysterectomy. Oh, there you go. I was 34. Back in 2005, Michigan actually used their cohabitation law. So I'm going to read what it says here. It says, Michigan's cohabitation law was used by a court to restrict visitation rights for a divorced father who was living with a woman who was not the mother of his children. And it says in the 1990s, the Virginia law was used in an attempt to revoke a woman's daycare license after it was discovered that she was in a cohabitating relationship. This is mind boggling. As long as she's not sharing with the children at the daycare, what she's doing in her cohabitating relationship. It's nobody's business. It doesn't matter. That's yeah. absolutely ridiculous to me. Okay, I'm off my soapbox now. I'm moving on. <laughs> Laura, what is the percentage right now of people who are not married and not cohabitating? Cohabitating. The in pers- the United States. In the United States, it's 38% as of the year of 2019. Wow, that's, yeah. that's really interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Laura looked up the current reason. I think this was for her own personal use, but I uh, thought we should use the statistics. <laughs> current reasons why why are a survey. People, yeah, yeah, it was a survey. Like, why are people married? It literally was like 54% to show a commitment mm-hmm. and 23% were to provide for their children. Yeah. And I thought, It goes along those marriages. Well, if you love me, you'd marry me and sign this piece of paper. <laughs> <laughs> and I found commitment. Are you committed? I found it like the word committed instead of love was very interesting. We're assuming that last percentage, the what's 23 left, 23% is, is actual love. love. <laughs> I just want to be with you. Oh, wow. So when a mommy cat and a daddy cat love each other very much, mm-hmm. it creates a baby. <laughs> Get <laughs> in my belly. I'm bigger than you. <laughs> In 1960, women aged 20 to 24, 25% of them did not have children. Okay. So that means 75% of women that were between the age of 20 and 24, 75% had children. Wowza. No birth control. Yeah. I wasn't even married until I was 25. Mm -hmm. And that whole no birth control, like, forget it if you have health problems, like, just take it. Just take it. Mm-hmm. 1975, that number jumped up to 44%. 44% of women between the age of 20 and 24 did not have children. Okay. 1979, are you ready for this one? Mm-hmm. Okay. Just everyone, I want you to just be prepared if you are female to throw your phone because because <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to. In 1979... Experts, the leading experts, said that if a woman had not given birth by the age of 24, that she most likely would be barren for the rest of her life. So let's hurry up and get some 
popping out there. Your your <laughs> eggs are going to shrivel up and die. Yes, like if you are 24 raisins. years old, are not married, and uh, just kidding. Using fear. 24? Mm-hmm. I didn't even have Sydney till 31, <laughs> yeah. which actually could explain a lot. <gasps> Shush. <laughs> well, I had my first at 30, so. There you go. That's just absolutely insane to me. Well, you know, in 2021, one in four women chose not to have children. Actual choice. <laughs> did the government give permission for us to choose? I don't know. Did they ask? Did we ask, ladies? Did we ask? <laughs> I know that in 2018, uh, the statistic I read said that women between 40 and 44, it was actually 50-50. 50% of them had no children, whether it was by choice or circumstance. And 50% of women did. Yeah. So but that, that can go back to so many cases of infertility nowadays. And that would be another topic of how our lifestyle and everything is affecting fertility. It's something that I, I read about with my, we'll, and we'll get into that with Eastern Western medicine and one of our topics. But there you go. We won't dive into the religious aspect of this, but there was a prominent religious leader recently. Uh, my brother posted an article that he wrote, and it stated that couples that were married and childless were selfish. If they if they chose pets over children. <laughs> wow. And I don't think you would choose pets over children. I think you just choose not to have children. You're correct. Yeah, no, I didn't say like, oh, I'm not going to have a kid, so I'll get a dog or a cat or whatever. Well, I, I mean, I didn't like, because I still have pets and I have Right, children. you can have both. But yeah, he, they, they were being criticized for. That is. For not. So, and the wow. people that follow this, you know, how is that supposed to make them feel? You're selfish. Well, and the very interesting thing about it is because, you know, and I've, I've said this before in another episode, that my sister did not have children by choice. Mm-hmm. And thank God. <laughs> because people, yeah. there are people that should not have children. Yeah. I mean, Ted Bundy, yeah. Probably, you know, like Probably not. not have children. Um, Mommy dearest. Yes. Yeah, Good of old Sam. John Crawford. <laughs> you know, if somebody knows that they are not number one mentally equipped. Did do you think they had children to not face the societal judgment? Absolutely. Yeah. Abs- well, Joan Crawford, I think it was probably narcissism because well she adopted. She adopted. Yes. Yeah. I think that it is responsible to know that you don't have a desire to have a child, mm-hmm. you don't have a de- you don't have that within you, or to keep having multiple children when you know you won't be able to provide for them. One of the absolute saddest things that I have heard in the last year is Laura and I were attending a event, and there was a man that was talking about his wife who had they had several children, and then she got cancer and she was very sick, almost died. And she was able to overcome that. She was able to beat the cancer, went into remission, was encouraged a lot to, because she was still young, to keep having children. Mm -hmm. How many years does it take for the body to recover after having a child? Isn't it seven years? Nine years? I don't even want to go there. I'd, I'd be lying if I answered that. I'm pretty sure it's seven to nine years it takes for the female body to actually go back to where it was before you gave birth. Mm-hmm. Now add cancer on top of that. Oy. Now add two more children. Not just the physical toll it takes on the body, but the physical, emotional toll it takes to care for them. Yeah. I always wanted children. Growing up, I felt so isolated, you know, and I felt just in my way my family dynamic was i wanted a huge family i wanted 12 kids you know soccer team yeah of course terry was like no No. (laughs) that's gonna be a no 
my body did not do well with yeah. uh, pregnancy. We ended up with two living. Our middle daughter, Faith, passed away shortly after birth. My greatest joy in my lifetime, I think, has been being a mother. And I always wanted to. Yeah, mine's a little different. <laughs> Till I was almost 30, I did not want kids. I was enjoying my life. I traveled. I worked different jobs. I did what I wanted to do. And none of my siblings had children. I didn't have friends with children until I was older. Maybe actually seeing some of my friends with children and the, the life they were leading wasn't something I was looking forward to. Could have been immaturity or who knows. And when I turned 30, it, it changed. I was in a loving relationship at that time. We were not married, but we had a child. <gasps> you cohabitated? Sin. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. But going back in history, this thing of having multiple children, back in the day, if the man didn't have an heir, a son, mm. you know, everything would be lost because women couldn't, you know, take it on. I think that was, in my mind, I'm thinking like, they let's keep trying till we have the son. And that's why they have these Huge, ginormous yeah. families. And then even biblical, what did it mm. say? So, yeah, the, <laughs> in Genesis, at the very beginning. Very beginning. Very, very beginning when there was like five people. <laughs> and God said, go forth and replenish the earth. Yeah, But he didn't mean like forever. Yeah. He just meant like, hey. Let's get it populated. Let, let's, let's start this out. <laughs> and I find it sad that all of these people who rely on that scripture, that literally God himself is going to have to come down here and be like, hey. Simmer down now. Simmer down. <laughs> <laughs> that God himself is going to have to come down and be like, hey. Chill out down there. Chill out. You know. Uh, I sent y'all birth control. Aren't yeah. Using it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, D do you not notice all these resources are like drying <laughs> available up? Available for you. You know, I mean, have as many as you want, but let's not get crazy. Yeah. Because, I mean, I feel like you should, A, how many do you want? Yeah. B, what can you financially, spiritually, emotionally, and physically Time -wise. handle. Yeah. Because these people who I've seen have, you know, 15 kids, and it's like those children. Have, they're raising themselves. And they have no, well, <laughs> they, they're raising each other. Yes, that's The what older I mean, yeah. ones, you know, and the thing is, is that. It's not their job. How do you ever know your mom or your dad? When there's 15 kids, how do you know your child? Yeah. And we're not judging. That is your choice to have all of those children, right? And that is their choice. But let's be reasonable. Like you said, who who's raising those kids? I've seen I've seen the families and the 18-year-old daughter or son is raising the 2-year-old. Well, and you know what? And let's go there. That's not fair. No. They didn't come they didn't choose to have a child. And, you know, I think back to Kayla and Sydney are five years apart. How many times I said to Kayla, watch your sister. Yeah, that wasn't her job. That's not fair. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Looking as, back at that time, as it was part of your, And as part of your family, like all of you work together. Yes. And I, that was you with two children. So I, just I, can't, I can't imagine these bigger families. Like we said, God did not order that. Yeah. It's more of a societal thing. Uh, and I don't even know if it's even societal that says have lots of children. I, I, I don't know where people come along. I think it is just a matter of have children. Correct. You know, my daughter is engaged to be married. They've cohabitated <gasps> for, I think, five years now. Mm -hmm. She's tw just turned 26. You know, she's not ready for children. For children. But she's she gets questioned, I think she mentioned here. Like, they're not even married, and, the, and some people are asking them. One of the kids coming. Yeah. yeah. And do you know, without having to give anyway any secrets or delve too much personally, do you know why they decided to change the 
cohabiting to marriage? Well, I think that they all along planned to get married. I think that they cohabitated as opposed to getting married for a long time because everybody kept asking them when they were going to get married. Yeah. So they were like, sock it to the, sock it to society. 2016, they actually got engaged 2016. So they have been engaged for mm-hmm. a long time. It's been a little bit. It's been a little bit. But when her fiance's sister had a baby, and so after that, then everybody was, when are you two going to have a baby? You know, that's a lot of pressure to put on someone. I don't think I've ever asked some, anybody, when are you having a baby? Yeah, I just don't think that it is, we don't have a right to walk another person's path or mm-hmm. to judge them if they don't want to. Right? I, I don't know. Or just the getting married. When are y'all getting married? Why? Well, because societally, <laughs> societally, you had to. And if you're in Virginia, Florida, right, it's Mississippi. <laughs> but at the same time, the government has so much control on the laws that if you do live together and then you split up, I think laws are changing a little bit to where you lose any rights to purchases or legal rights over the kids and being married guarantees you that 50-50. And a lot of states now, though, they have the common law marriage. Common law, yes. Texas is six months. Yeah. If you live with, with That's one what person I have with my son's father. for six months, you are in the law's mm-hmm. eyes. You mm-hmm. are married, not yeah. God's. Yes. <laughs> but again, we go government back into that first. government. Yes. Yeah. I think that what I hope people take away from today's episode is... Over the years, you know, we we covered, you know, law for 120 years. And in that, you see this constant cycling of marriage, not marriage, marriage, not marriage, marriage and children. Forced marriage. Divorced and mm-hmm. marriage. I feel like society and the government have so much power over how we choose to live our life. Mm-hmm. When do we stand up and say... I'm going to live the life I choose with no fear and no judgment. Correct. Just become the person we choose to be. Mm-hmm. Because the government, they're, they don't have a good track record of being <laughs> honest. Of making decisions for us. Yeah, of being honest or making good choices. Yeah. How about if each and every one of us just makes the decision to mind our own damn business, number one. Mm-hmm. If we spent more time looking within instead of trying to look at what's wrong with everyone else's life, you might actually find a space of being able to live the life you choose. And what are we doing to our children when we make them feel like they have to get married or they have to have a child? Or or, if you want a child, you have to be married. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Because we're telling them we're going to judge you if you don't. Or you'll be a failure in our eyes or whatever. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I, for one, am not doing that to my children. No. And my takeaway is pretty much the same. Just choose the life you want to live, what makes you happy. It's nobody else's business. What I do behind closed doors (laughs) or you and not fear the judgment. If you don't want to have kids, you know, don't don't have kids. It's not a lot of people say, well, when you get older, you know, it's like, wow. You have a lot more money. I'm having kids. 
<laughs> you have a lot more money if you don't. <laughs> if you don't, don't yes. <laughs> and then you're in different tax brackets and <laughs> blah, 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 like married filing jointly. A lot of people say, I have kids so that they'll take care of me when I'm old. I'm like, really? Wow. I've heard people say that. Yes. Or, or I don't want to be lonely when I'm old. Well, let your child go live their life. <laughs> that doesn't sound like... Uh, you need to hang out with me and take care of me because I'm old. No. Would I enjoy having my children around? Yes. But... <laughs> I'm not going to get old. Exactly. Nobody's going to have to take, take care, care of me. Take care of me. Yeah. Hopefully I'm long gone by the time I need that help. But you be you. That's all I got to say. So, Laura, I ask, when it comes to marriage and to having children, who said you have to? Well, religion and government said I had to. Well, I don't know about you, but those are two things that I definitely don't want to base my life on. No. Spirituality I'm good with. Yes. And and speaking of spirituality, we do have another podcast called The Oracle and the Warrior where we will dive into the same topics that we speak about here. In that podcast, we talk about societal norms as well, but they're more the religious norms. What organized religion has to say about it. And where a lot of the concepts uh, that we still practice today Mm -hmm. actually came from. And a lot of times it wasn't actually from God. Different topic. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening. We love you. Tina and I know the things discussed today are not what society has taught us to believe. But I choose to believe in my own ability to see what is truth and what is not truth. I challenge you to join us in believing your own ability to find your truth, not what society has dictated you must believe to be accepted or loved. The truth is you are loved exactly as you are, right here, right now. No human is more vital than another. You matter. And you have the free will to walk your own path with no fear and no judgment. So, Laura, do you want to tell these wonderful people how they can... Help us keep the lights on and keep this show coming. Of course. Please visit our show notes, and there's a link to our Patreon account there. If you have suggestions for topics that you would like us to cover or you have a question, please feel free to contact us via email at whosaidyouhaveto at gmail.com. If you would like to know more about free will healing, Tina or me, visit our website at www.freewillhealing.com. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. Reviews are how we grow our listenership and allow everyone the courage to think for themselves with no fear or judgment. Please check the show notes for all of our Who Said You Have To social media links on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, where you can follow or subscribe to get updates for any upcoming events or personal appearances near you. Laura and I encourage you to have faith in yourself. And remember, Who Who Said said You you Have have to? To?